and happy Monday, Cougar football fans. Happy game week as we welcome you back inside Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our 2023 season debut of the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Each week this season, we're visiting with BYU's coordinating coaches, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick, defensive coordinator Jay Hill, and special teams coordinator Kelly Papinga. In season, we'll have two coaches on, one coach off, but on our season opener, we have all three in Studio B. And we kick off today's show with a former BYU player and assistant coach who's returned to Provo to coach defensive ends and coordinate the special teams he is, Kelly Papinga. Coach, good to see you again. Yeah, it's great to be back. Good to see you. You've already been on the job for almost nine months, but welcome back to BYU. Yeah, no, it's been, it's been great. feels like being home and, uh, you know, like I've said to a bunch of people, just... You know, different uh, different way of doing a similar type of thing, right? So, you know, being under Bronco and now seeing how Kalani does his thing um, over the last couple months, it's been fun to, fun to see the similarities, but also the different ways that they each kind of do the same thing. And um, But it's been fun to learn under Kalani and under Jay and A-Rod and just seeing how they do it. And, you know, they've had a lot of success, especially the last three years. And so just anxious to uh, add on to uh, help them, you know, reach our goals for this season. When you left Provo with Broncos staff eight years ago, did you either hope or expect you'd be back here someday? Yeah, I thought, you know, I told my wife if it was 15 years down the road or 20, that's what I was thinking. But I never thought it would be as quick as it happened. Um, and so just, you know, things just kind of turned out that way of just guys leaving here and me having an opportunity to come back. When Kalani asked me at the end of last season, I was, yeah, I was excited. And I think the timing was right on both sides. And so, uh, yeah, just excited to be back and see how things roll Saturday night. You've been a special teams coordinator for most of the last decade in the coaching game. What's always first or close to the top of the, of the to-do list when you look at your special teams for a season to come? Yeah, well, for me, when I'm, uh, well, I guess there's two ways I look at it. When I'm looking at an opponent, the, the first thing I always do is go to their PAT field goal team, their block team, because I believe you can see the heart of a team from their PAT field goal block team. So if those guys are responding um, after they've just given up the touchdown of going hard and mm. trying to fire off the ball to block a kick, then you know you got a pretty tough team. But the, if those kids, if they look defeated, if they look like they're not trying hard, then you know that you probably have a shot to, you know, uh, out-effort this team and uh, outwork these guys. And so that's when scouting an opponent, that's usually the first place I go to to say, okay, how tough are these guys? Um, in the offseason, when I very first got here, I really just did a, uh, a quick um, kind of just uh, synopsis of just every uh, phase of the game. So I went through and just did my own cut-up. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, some coaches were on the staff. I didn't want anybody's opinion. I wanted to see what these guys did last year as a, as a unit. And I saw a punt team that was really, really good. Uh, I saw a returner that was aggressive that I think we can uh, do some things with, with Hobbs. And, uh, and then I saw some guys that, you know, can tackle. I think we were a pretty good tackling team. But I, I do think we can build on all those things. And uh, just excited about the core group of guys. I think, you know, with Ryan Rico coming back, um, with uh, Austin Riggs coming back, I think those are two huge parts. Long snapper. Yeah, the long snapper. And so um, what a lot of people don't realize is, you, everything starts with a long snapper. If you don't have a great long snapper, then it doesn't matter how good Ryan is. If he can't, can't get him the ball um, in the proper location for Ryan to do his job, then really Ryan can't be his best. And so, and then adding, uh, you know, Will Farron and Matthias Dunn to the mix in the kicking group. I'm excited about those guys and the competition that they've had this, uh, this fall camp. 
average starting field position has a real strong win-loss correlation in the college game. It's a game factor that really incorporates everything, offense, defense, and special teams. But special teams, big part of that particular equation. Yeah, it's something we talk about every single day, um, especially in the kick game, uh, kickoff and kickoff return. We talk about those are the really the two main ones where I believe it has a huge part. Sometimes in punt and in punt return, it's a little bit different because sometimes we're punting out of our own end zone. Sometimes we're punting on the 50-yard line. Um, so, yeah, you got to play with the numbers there a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, average starting field position, we talk about that all the time with our guys and just being able to set our offense and set our defense up with great field position for them to then go out and do their job. Special teams are more than kickers, uh, but they get the most attention. Mm -hmm. And punter, a punter who gets a lot of national attention right now and has for a while is Ryan Rico. How nice to come into a program and inherit a punter like Ryan Rico. Yeah, I mean, super consistent. Um, gets great net on the ball, gets great hang time on the ball, has great location. So I'm, I'm really excited just with the experience he has. I don't think I've ever had a guy that has the power and, um, you know, the leg and the distance that, that he has. So I'm watching some clips right mm -hmm. here. I mean, he can, he can really, um, you know, get into the ball. And, and the thing that I think he's worked really hard on in this offseason, as you're seeing right here, this is our pin punt situations where we're punting basically from the 50-yard line going in. And so if we can, with A-Rod's offense, we're going to be able to move the ball. I have a high confidence that. And so uh, we're going to be punting, if we do, around that 50-yard mark, I think, quite a bit. And uh, if we can pin teams inside the 10-yard line and set our defense up with, you know, 85, 90 yards, uh, a field position behind our back, I think we're going to be really good on defense. And so I typically say the punter goes with the defense because mm -hmm. that usually becomes the defense's best friend. If he can do his job, then, man, the defense can go out there and be set up really nice. You're more focused, and as is Ryan, on this season ahead. But is he a next-level punter? I mean, uh, punting in the pro game is a whole sometimes different game in a lot yeah. of ways from college. Does he have the kind of maybe natural inherent oh, yeah. skills that could take him to that yeah, place? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he has, like I said, he has more power and pop than I've ever seen out of a punter that I've ever worked with. And then the thing, like I said, he was working on really – um, focused on a lot is just his accuracy and making sure we're getting the hang time because man he can boot, boom at 65 but if we don't have you know close to a five yard hang time on that then we're going to be out kicking our coverage so uh, just five second the, five second hang time yeah if we can okay. get to five seconds especially if he's kicking at 65 yeah typically you know most college kickers they're kicking 45 yards um, with a net of four that's pretty good but when you're adding 15 to 20 yards on that we got to get hopefully another second underneath that um, to just give our cover unit more time to go down and cover understood uh, with the departure of Jake Oldroyd, uh, there was a true competition or has been a place mm -hmm. kicker. Um, has that job been won after four weeks of practice and how do you go into the season right now? Yeah, then? so we uh, we told our kickers on Saturday and I think the depth chart's coming out today anyway so I'll tell you, yeah, Will Farron won the job and it was close. Um, actually, after all the kicks from the start of fall camp to uh, the last week to last week, they were exactly the same percentage. So 84% mm. is what they were um, throughout fall camp. And uh, I think that's a really good number. I think most goals for most teams is about 80. Um, but, you know, we have higher goals where, you know, 42 and in, we want to be 100%. And those kicks, once we get out, you know, that 45-yard mark, most of the guys in college football, you know, we want to be in that 80 range. Um, but I, both Will and Matthias um, did, a, did a great job. But we just felt like Will just had a little bit more experience, a little more pop on the ball, could elevate his ball, get a little more trajectory on the ball so it doesn't get blocked in the middle. Um, but we're very confident in both of those guys and excited about both of them to be able to go out there and put some points on the board. For, and uh, for and you had some prior experience with Will as well, yeah, where Will, he came from. Yeah, Will was uh, with me up at Boise State and was our kickoff guy last year. And really, a year ago in spring ball in 2020, 22 was 
uh, neck and neck with their starting kicker up there too as well, who was one of the best kickers in the country. So um, I know Will's very anxious and uh, very happy and uh, he's earned it. You know, that's what, you know, I like to reward guys that have earned it and it's nothing that was given to him. You know, a lot of guys thought, oh, he's coming from Boise State with Coach Papinga, he's gonna be given the job. But it was, it came down really all the way to the end and ultimately, you know, myself and Coach Hill, who works a lot with the kickers, then Kalani, uh, you know, we felt like this was the best decision for the team. You've alluded to him already, but Hobbs Nyberg has the most reps in the return game at BYU. Who joins Hobbs in the mix at punt and kickoff? Yeah, so love Hobbs, love his aggression, love how he knows how to track the ball. I think he has great ball security. Um, and he's done it. He has a ton of experience. I think punt return catching is one of the harder things to do in college football. And so, you know, he has great experience there. And then we are, we add uh, Parker Kingston to that mix and then uh, Keelan Marion as well, who both looked really good in, in fall camp. So I'm really excited about them. And then the kick return game, the same. Parker's really come on in that. And so um, just anxious to see, you know, his speed on the field is um, a little di different than Hobbs. I think Hobbs, you know, he's that tougher, hard-nosed physical runner where Parker can, man, he can really go. And if we can open up some, some scenes and some creases for him in the in the kick return game. I I think we have a shot. And I, I keep telling our guys the last time we did this was the last time I was here. The last time I was here with Adam Hine, mm -hmm. uh, 2014. And so I've shown that video multiple times <laughs> to remind them, like guys, come on, this has been nine years. This since can still this happen. Happened. Yeah. So yeah. and we're gonna do it. Like that's like I that's something we preach every day. Like hey, this is the year we're gonna do it. We have the scheme. I believe we have the the players, and uh, this is the year we're gonna break it and get us uh, get us to the end zone and kick return. So kick return. Touchdown. We did the first time in a while. Yeah. Good point. Uh, rest of the operational unit, shout out again to Austin Riggs at Long Snapper. And Ryan Rico does do double duty in addition to being a punter. He's your top holder, too. Yeah, right? he's a holder and he does great at it because he, you know, he really wants to play in the NFL and all the holders in the NFL are their punters. And so he's exceptional at it. He's done a great job. I think him and Will have a uh, really good connection there. And Matthias, they've worked together all year long with Ryan. And so he takes a lot of pride at that. And uh, it's good because now he's teaching the younger Rico, his brother, how to do the same thing. And so, you know, making him our backup holder. And we have some other guys, um, uh, Talmadge Gunther, he's held before. So, you know, he's always a backup guy for us. But, yeah, I feel like I feel like we're as deep as we've been from, shoot, when I was here in the past in my time at Virginia and Boise State, I feel as we're as deep as uh, we can be at the punter, kicker, and in snapper position. And I, I, that's always a good thing to feel like you have yeah. at least two guys in each spot. Well, each week on the show, we identify uh, players of the week on offense, defense, and special teams. No games yet, of course, but over the last month of football, um, who maybe stood out to you as a special team standout? Yeah, so a guy that uh, I think Cougar fans remember from last year, Jacob Bourne, has done a great job. Um, he's on every special teams right now. Uh, just his speed, uh, really his tenacity and effort to the ball, and just how much he cares. He gets out there, and he really wants uh, – to do his best to be able to help the team in any way he can. So, you know, just like he made plays last year, having having a couple similar spots and a couple new spots. But, man, I just love how hard he runs and he can fly. He, he might be the fastest guy on our team. I don't know. But uh, just watching him from a year ago when I went through and were, was doing my own cut, cut ups and breakdown of uh, the team last year, he was a guy over and over again that was standing out to me. And then the same thing happened in spring ball, same thing happened in fall camp. Like, he's just a guy that uh, I'm really excited about. And then also, you know, I uh, 
the other name I, I was just uh, thinking of is uh, a new guy, uh, Harrison Taggart. Mm. Done a great job. Transfer Oregon transfer. Oregon, yep. yeah, Corner Canyon. Harrison's done a great job and really had to earn it. We put him at the bottom, bottom of every depth chart and just along the way has earned his way into every starting spot. Uh, I, also, uh, Isaiah Glasker as well. I think those are three guys that are, I think, on every special team as of right now. And so um, really looking forward to seeing how those guys do. And the other guys, there's a bunch of other guys that show up, you know, on a team here, a team there. But those three have been the, the biggest standouts, I'd say. All right, some camp shout-outs. So when we come back, we'll look at Coach Papinga's position group on the defensive line and tell us uh, what to expect from the edge position as we preview this Saturday's season opener versus Sam Houston as well. As we go to break, be sure to join Dave McCann and former Cougars Blaine Fowler and David Nixon tomorrow night for a brand-new episode of After Further Review as they took a look at BYU Impact players, including Keaton Slovis, Aiden Robbins, and more. Watch tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern on the BYU TV app or on ESPN+. More with Coach Papinga coming up next. This is the Coordinator's Corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by... JCW's The Burger Boys. The 2023 BYU football season kicks off this Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium with the Cougars welcoming the Sam Houston Bearcats to town. BYU playing for a fourth consecutive season opening win. Cougars have won 13 of the last 15 lid lifters. Our season premiere of the Coordinator's Corner continues now with BYU's new special teams coordinator and defensive ends coach Kelly Papinga. Still to come, coaches Jay Hill and Aaron Roderick. In addition to coaching special teams, you do handle BYU's defensive ends, uh, meaning you get to coach Tyler Batty. Uh, and big things are expected from Tyler and this is fourth season with the program. He is BYU's active career leader in tackles for loss. Oh, wow. Did not know that. You know, Tyler's been a pleasure to coach. I, I chuckle when you say his name because Tyler's, Tyler's a goofball. Man. He's, he's a little twisted, and uh, he's been fun to coach. He actually reminds me a little bit of my brother Brady. So it's been fun to coach him and uh, just the energy he brings. He's very detailed. He cares a lot. He studies film like crazy. Um, just the, uh, the dedication that he has to be to be great in his commitment. I've been impressed with ever since I've gotten here, and so I'm excited to see him play and see him let it loose, uh, you know, Saturday night throughout the season, so. And twisted in the best way. Twisted in the best way, yes. Right. I, I say that, and twisted on the football field is a good thing. Now, yeah. once he steps across the lines and he's out with his wife and his family, then can't be too twisted. He's talking to devotionals yeah, and things. Yeah, can't okay, be, here we go. Can't yeah. be so twisted anymore. <laughs> you got to get now normal. So. All right, you came to BYU from Boise State, where you coached defensive end Isaiah Banya, uh, Canadian. And Banya <laughs> have followed you uh, to Provo. Uh, yeah. On one end, you have Batty, nine and a half career sacks. On the other end, you get Banya, 10 career sacks. What can we expect from Isaiah here in 2020? Yeah, Isaiah, um, I was super impressed with with him up at Boise, just, you know, he's a very versatile player. Kind of reminds me of those guys that I've coached in the past, the Kyle Van Noy's, uh, the Spencer Hadley's, the Alani Fua's that are, you know, they can, they can cover, um, they can rush off the edge, they can set the edge. They, there's just a lot of stuff those guys can do. So he's a, he's a pretty versatile athlete. And so two years ago when he came here um, to play BYU, he had a really good game in that game. And so, um, you know, Cougar fans might notice him from that. Um, last year he didn't play in the game, but um, yeah, he's he's a versatile athlete that, you know, I think fans will see that he's going to be used in a similar way that we use those guys I mentioned earlier, like in the past. A so. Co couple other names you might see on the depth chart in the mix at edge. Yeah, I love uh, Blake Mangelson. He's done great physical, um, long, 
um, tough, just a, you know, super, super stout guy in the run game. And I think gives us enough in the pass rush to help us get some pressure on the quarterback. And then from there, it's really just a mix of who, who wants to be the next guy. And so it's a competition still um, between New, between Michael Daly, between uh, Bodie, Schoonover. There's a bunch of guys right there. Uh, John Henry Daly is another guy that's come home off his bench. He got a little nicked up after just, I mean, he was home for like three weeks and all of a sudden he's playing football again. So he's another guy. I, uh, I say Moa. And then another guy that I'm anxious to get back from injury is Logan Latui. Um, is another guy that's looked really good in individual and uh, starting to get some one-on-one, starting to get some more team reps. He's still a couple weeks out from playing, but I do think he's going to help us at some point this season. So I think there's a, a good group of guys there. Um, really just need to solidify who the fourth and fifth guys are. Okay, look ahead to Sam Houston. New OC, Brad Cornelson, who coached most recently at Vatech. Oh, yeah. So you saw him during oh, your time oh, yeah. in Virginia. Oh, what oh, does yeah. he like to do? What do you expect? This guy likes to run the ball. So a lot of running. Um, there'll be some play action shots down the field, but yeah, a lot of run, QB run, um, likes to get the perimeter with fly sweep and screens. So um, yeah, it's, it's a challenge. It's a, good, it's a good scheme. And if they have a really good quarterback that can throw it and run it, then it makes it that much dangerous. And so Heaton Hooker, who was at Tennessee last year, he was at Virginia Tech when I was at Virginia. And so he may, he caused some problems. And so he, it's a scheme that goes all the way back to when he was at Memphis um, with Fuentes. Yep. And uh, so we saw that in the bowl game in 2014. And so it's a scheme I'm very familiar with. And uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to stop. And so I'm anxious to see, you know, exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. And, uh, you know, I think, well, obviously, I, I think our guys are going to be prepared when they come Saturday. And so there'll be some adjustments and some things we haven't seen. Um, but we'll, we'll make those adjustments. That, that's the thing I love about our defensive staff. We're experienced. We've all coached a lot of football, seen a lot of football. So I think we'll be able to adjust and be able to hopefully stop the, the things that, the, the, that they want to do. Are you as eager for opening night as you've ever been? Um, I don't want to say ever, but I am eager to get back into the LaBelle Edwards Stadium. And uh, shoot, the last time I was in that place, it was not a good memory for me. So I want to fix that. You were with Virginia at the yeah, time. I was, yes. I was with Virginia at the time, and it was about 150 points were scored. Yes, it was, it yeah. was a butt whooping. It was yeah. not a good night for defensive coaches. And so I remember walking out of the stadium being like, oh my gosh, I like have so many great memories in this stadium. And now I'm like, this is the one I got to get out of my mind. So going to Saturday night, play some Recreate great some new good ones. Yes. Here we go. Great defense, great special teams, get a team. Uh, win and walk out of there and get that game out of my memory. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for the guys. They've worked their butts off and uh, just ready to get them out on the field and and uh, let them do their thing. And you know, you practice so much through the month of August and against each other, and just excited to see them go against another team. Well, I'm excited to have you in here with us this season. Thanks for today, and we look forward to the year ahead. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, as we go to break, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it. Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and now Harriman. This Saturday, BYU kicks off the season with Sam Houston. Tune in to Cougar Pregame Live on BYU Radio, 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time. Coming up next, we'll chat for the first time with BYU's new defensive coordinator and associate head coach, Jay Hill. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. And the back wide receiver screen, it is picked off, and it's going to the house. The Cougs will make it 20 to nothing with the PAT pending. Max Tooley on the pick six. So for 
if there's... All right, so you are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Kalani Sitake opening his eighth season as BYU head coach this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium as BYU plays host to Sam Houston in the first ever meeting between these two teams in the first game for the Bearcats as an FBS program. It'll also be the first game on the BYU coaching staff for the Cougars' new defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach, Jay Hill. And for the first time in Studio B, we say hello and welcome to Coach Hill. How are you doing? So good. Great to be with you. <laughs> you have a history with many coaches on the 2023 staff. What are some of the branches on the BYU staff family tree for you? Well, I first met Steve Clark. He was probably the one I worked with very first. Uh, Kyle Whittingham brought us. We were very young on staff together. Uh, that's when we were graduate assistants or helping out at Utah. This was a long time ago, maybe 20 years ago. And then hired full-time. And that's when Aaron Roderick and Kalani joined us. And then uh, when I took over at Weber State, Steve Clark and Justin Anna were my two defensive coordinators. And Fessy Sitake was our recruiting coordinator and pass game coordinator. And um, I think that's all the connections. So the that band got with. back together here they at BYU. Did. Oh, and I coached Sione Puhab way back when, when, when he was playing at the University of Utah. So to get back together is fun. It was a bunch of guys I, I really trusted. I wanted to coach with them again at some point, and uh, this made a lot of sense. As the head coach of one of the best FCS programs in the country, what appealed to you most about this particular FBS opportunity at BYU? Well, my trust in Kalani and A-Rod, who were obviously Kalani, the head coach, and A-Rod is the offense coordinator. That, my trust in those guys was big. Uh, BYU going into the Big 12 was a huge step that um, in the direction that I wanted to head. Uh, you know, just my belief in what BYU can become and what I think we should be here is a big thing, just knowing the potential of this program. Kalani was an offensive player in college but it's coached both sides of the ball. You were a defensive player, coached both sides of the ball now, uh, but you're both known primarily for your defensive work. Where do your respective philosophies line up that way, defensively? Very similar. I think it goes back to what Coach Whittingham taught us, what defense is all about, being gap sound and being aggressive. Uh, I think the way he likes the blitz and the way I do is, you know, similar philosophy. Putting players in position where they can be successful is critical in defensive football. And, you know, you got to have the right pieces. So you got to be able to be good recruiters and get the right guys in the right places. But I think all those things Kalani and I see eye to eye on. When you looked at where BYU's defense had been and where you'd like it to be, uh, where do you maybe hope to see the most improvement in your first year as, as coordinator? Well, I want to be a little bit more gap sound than they were last year. The exp you know, the, the, just the scheme philosophy last year is they did a lot of the linebackers would fit off of what the D-line was doing. And I want to be a little bit more gap sound at times where they can be way more aggressive down in their own gaps, knowing that when you watch film, I want to know this happened and it was this guy's mistake or he did a really good job. I, I don't want vagueness in what we're doing. And so you'll see those guys much more assignment sound. You'll see them much more definitive in what they're doing based on what they're seeing. This may not be the fairest question. How, how simple a defense is yours to run for new players incorporating it for the first time. Yeah, very complicated, especially for certain position groups. The linebackers have a lot to learn. The safeties have a lot to learn. Uh, there's not a lot of teaching necessarily or learning for the D-line, some of the D-line spots and the corners. 
but they also have very hard jobs to do. And so we try to keep it a little more simple for them just because their jobs are tough. Um, but yeah, it's hard for young guys to come in and play in this defense because there's a ton of learning, there's a ton of adjustments. 2023 BYU defense this year, a mix of holdovers, personnel-wise now, and portal ads, mm -hmm. including five players you coached at Weber State. These are FCS guys, quote-unquote, that you thought had a P5 makeup to their game, clearly. Well, a good example of that, Eddie Heckard, when he went in the portal, he could have gone anywhere in the country. And he's a phenomenal player that made a lot of plays, and his toughness and tenacity correlate at any level. And the reality was he was this close to going to the NFL last year and probably would have been on an NFL roster this year. So he's got that kind of talent. Cam Garrett's one I trust. Um, and, you know, the, the new and Logan Latui and those guys, they, uh, they were ones that I thought would have been really good players had they stayed at Weber State. And we'll see how those guys continue to develop and progress. But I know they're good enough to help us. Um, and how much is all dependent upon them. When it comes to defensive stats, points allowed, most important. About a number of components contribute to that. What have you found helps most in keeping the points number you, where you want it to be? Well, you know, turnover margin's a big deal. Uh, stopping the run is one of the biggest ones. If, if, if an offensive coordinator can come in here and just run the ball at will, we're going to have a hard time keeping points off the board. We're going to have a hard time getting out of drives. Third down percentages. Uh, obviously is a big deal because if you're winning on third down, you're getting out of drives. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't call myself a stat guy, but there's definitely stats that correlate to good defense more than others. And I would say those are probably the most. Uh, pass efficiency defense is a big deal, much more so than yards given up. Right. You know, the efficiency of what a quarterback throws against you is much more critical to me. And on the flip side, when BYU gets to, to 150 on the offensive side in college pass efficiency, it, it's a really, really strong. If, you, if you're having that kind of game uh, for the offense, it's a good sign. You don't want that kind of game against you. Exactly right. You know, we want, we want our quarterbacks more down closer to the 100 range mark in pass efficiency offense. And, you know, you want to be holding your opponent under 120 rushing. If, if all of a sudden you're giving up 180 rushing and your quarterback's throwing at a 160 pass efficiency rating, you're probably lost. Yeah. Uh, in the last week, you wrapped up your first BYU training camp. We haven't had a game yet to identify a defensive player of a week, which we'll do in the season. But did you have a defensive player or players that really uh, jumped out to you during camp, the work they gave you? Well, I don't know if it's fair to single out one, but I can say that I think the fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with A.J. Vonkpachong. I thought played really well during camp. Eddie Heckard played really well during camp. Jacob Robinson continues to be a stalwart. He's made a lot of plays here. He plays great. And I really like the progression of Ben Bywater mm. throughout camp. I thought he got better and better as he got more familiar with the scheme. Uh, and in the front, you know, Batty had a real good camp. Uh, I thought Nice Amahe was one of the most improved guys from spring. So uh, we're heading in the right direction for sure. I think the guys, as they continue to get more and more familiar with the scheme, you'll see more and more big names step up. And I'm excited to watch who does emerge. Those names you mentioned, all guys uh, we're counting on, certainly. Tomorrow night, uh, don't miss the season debut of BYU football with Kalani Sitake. Enjoy a full hour of conversation with the coach and a player guest in front of our live Studio C audience. Watch Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. on BYU TV's app and ESPN+. Coming up next, we'll look at Coach Hill's safety position as we continue our conversation with BYU's new defensive coordinator on the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's, 
the Burger Boys. Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. And by Smith's. Low prices, market fresh. Here in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. This week, Cougars opened their 2023 campaign hosting the Sam Houston Bearcats program, joining the FBS ranks as a new member of Conference USA. BYU, of course, opening its Big 12 era this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Visiting with BYU's defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach, Jay Hill, today. Your positional group is the safety crew. And uh, already faced with uh, a little bit of injury and depth uh, a challenge before the season's even kicked off for you. Well, I was expecting great things out of Michael Harper, and I thought he was going to be a great player. He fit our scheme very well. Um, no coach wants to see injuries, and especially to great kids like that. And so uh, I'm excited to see how he recovers off the injury, but we will not have him this year. And then uh, Talon Alfrey, he'll be back soon. Um, so uh, he, he's a guy that I think will play high-level football at BYU, and they've seen him play a lot. The other guys, now it's time for them to step up and prove what they're all about. This is their opportunity to play big boy football at BYU, which has been a lot of those guys' dreams throughout their whole lives. So I'm excited to see how they respond. Guys like Ethan Slade and others. Yeah, Ethan Slade has had a really good camp. He's made a lot of plays. I think a, a name coming up in the future that you're going to see a lot of, Raider DeMuni, is going to be a great player in this defense. Malik Moore is a player that's made a lot of plays in his career at BYU. And, you know, there's a bunch of others. Crew Wakely is a guy that you'll see throughout special teams. And um, he's had a nice camp at safety. I have no problem putting him in the game. PD Tui Pelotu is, is a guy that I think has a bright future here. So bottom line, it's going to be safety by committee a little bit. And I want to see those guys hone in and, and prove what they're all about and solidify their, their spots on the depth chart. You've said that ideally the secondary is the most consistent unit relative to rotation and substitution. In base non-nickel, let's say, uh, three of your four spots must feel pretty locked in right now with Eddie Heckard and, and Jacob Robinson at your corners. Yeah. And then you just mentioned Malik Moore at the other safety spot. And uh, I know you think Cam Garrett can play and, and Caleb Christensen has some good reps in his history. There's some people there. There is, and uh, I would say this is one of the better corner groups that BYU's ever had as far as top to bottom, and there's five or six that we feel like we can win with. I really trust the top three guys in the way they're playing right now, but, you know, Maury Bamba had a really good camp. He came along. Marcus McKenzie's going to be a great corner in this program. I promise you the fans will love him, and, uh, you know, Evan Johnson was another one that stood out. Caleb Christensen you mentioned so there's seven guys in the corner group that we feel like we can win with the depth at safety has got to be solidified a little bit and that you know that's going to come as the season rolls on and who who steps up when the lights are on uh, kind of a set it and forget it it feels like a linebacker uh, which is nice because this is a preseason strength of the team it is and you know the weird thing was it was probably the most up in the air group in spring ball just because Max didn't go, Max Tooley, Ben Bywater didn't play. We didn't have A.J. Von Pichong at the time. And so those three starters you see right there, none of those guys took a rep in spring ball. And so it was a bunch of young guys that were not even either just home off missions or not even in the program at the time that really stepped up and proved that they could be good players. But I, I think you're going to see a really, really solid linebacker crew for the next three, four years to come. You wear three hats at BYU by title, defensive coordinator, safeties coach, and associate head coach. That last title, how do you view it in terms of how you can best serve Kalani and the team? Just that. You know, my role is to help Kalani in anything he needs. Um, it, it, and I don't even know what that looks like. Whatever he asks, my job is to make his job better and easier. Uh, my job is to help us win football games in any way that Kalani asks. And that's really what that title entails. 
Season openers now, um, always a bit of a crapshoot, uh, especially when you're facing a, an offense with a new coordinator and a lot of new personnel, as will be the case with Sam Houston. They still haven't officially named the starting quarterback, but they named one of them as a captain, so uh, you can take from that what you will. What do you think you know about Sam Houston for game one? Well, we don't know a lot. Uh, we're facing an offensive coordinator that was very productive and very good when he was at Virginia Tech, but he hasn't coordinated for two years. He's joining a staff where the head coach is known as an offensive coach. So how much that head coach lets him run his own things, we don't know for sure. Personnel changes at Sam Houston have been drastic just because of their jump to FBS this year. We heard they redshirted a lot of their best yeah, players Held last guys back, year, yeah. Held them back and let them get some more experience under the belt. So I don't know, I don't know what that exactly that looks like. I, I mean, I've been a head coach, Kalani's been a head coach. Do you really want to hold back all your best players and just give away a season? I don't think that that was necessarily the case last year, but if you look prior to last year, Sam Houston won 21, I think they were 21 and one over their 22 games prior to last year. So it's a potent team that has good talent. Um, they've got good coaches. What exactly it looks like on game day, we won't know for sure, but we'll be ready. I mean, our, our schemes adjust to everything they could do. We just gotta be ready to go out and execute and do what we do best. Sam Houston playing its first game as an FBS member after almost three decades in the FCS ranks. They're 3-30 they're and 30 all time against FBS, 0-14 against power conferences, but they're just now starting to play what will be an FBS schedule. You were a head coach at the FCS level for some very successful seasons. You have an appreciation for how a team like Sam Houston can play and wants to play. And this is also a program with a spring season national title under its belt from only a few years ago. Well, it is, right? I mean, this is a big game for any FCS player to be able to prove that they belong. And that's what all those guys want. They, they want to prove that they belong on the big stage. And a lot of them can play at that level. Uh, I, I remember back in 2016, we played really well against Oregon State. And in 2017, we almost beat Cal. And um, we had moments, even against the University of Utah, where, where we showed that we had players that, at least some players that belong in those games. And last year, we beat Utah State, um, and bottom line, there's good players at that level, really good players at that level that want to prove that they belong. Are you going to be a booth coordinator or a field coordinator? Do we <laughs> no. know yet? Yeah, I'll be on the field for sure. I'll be on the field. Okay. Uh, great first week. Uh, we'll do this many more times during the season. Excited to have you in and uh, learning from you this season, Coach. Thank Can't you. Can't wait. All Thanks. right. Get ready for Saturday's season opener against Sam Houston with BYU Sports Nation Game Day's expanded pregame coverage starting two hours prior to kickoff at 8 Eastern, 6 Mountain Time on BYU TV. Time for a break when we come back as the coordinator's corner rolls on. BYU OC Aaron Roderick and Studio B. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with Coach A-Rod right after this. Jaron in shotgun. Looks left, goes for the end zone, and Chase Roberts, and Chase makes the catch! It's a touchdown! Touchdown, Chase Roberts! And the Cougars score! Saturday, the BYU Cougars kicking off the 2023 season by welcoming the Sam Houston Bearcats to Provo in their first ever meeting. It'll be Keaton Slovis's first game as BYU's starting quarterback, but not his first game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. He was the QB for USC when they visited BYU back in 2019. This is the coordinator's corner, and he's back for another season. His third season as BYU's offense coordinator and QB coach. He's Aaron Roderick. Coach, good to see you again. Good to see you. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and start today's conversation with the guy I just mentioned, Keaton Slovis. Uh, you enter the P5 era with a quarterback who's thrown for almost uh, 10,000 yards and 70 yeah. touchdowns at the P5 level. Just how big was it to have Keaton as your QB in year one of the Big 12? Huge. Yeah, that was the, he was our number one target uh, 
as soon as the recruiting uh, portal opened, he was the first guy we went after, he was the first guy I went to see, and, um, and we got our guy. So we're really excited about him. The first two starting quarterbacks you worked with here were dual threat signal callers in Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. Keaton is a thrower first and foremost, and he's been a prolific passer. I'm sure you're excited to build an offense around that skill set. Yeah, he's a very good passer. I think, uh, I think our fans are going to enjoy watching him throw. Uh, strong arm guy that's extremely accurate, and um, so he's and he's his accuracy is up there with some of the best guys in college football. And I'm excited to, for him to show what he can do. Was there anything beyond just the numbers that made him the number one target? Like you said, automatically for you? Yeah, just that I knew a lot about him. I, I, I knew a lot of the coaches that have coached him or been a part of the coaching staff at, at uh, you know at USC and. Um, I loved the, his demeanor, the way he carried himself. I thought he showed uh, just a lot of professionalism in class. Whether things were going well or whether they weren't, I thought he always conducted himself like like a pro. And and uh, you know, and I've seen him at his best. And so I thought, if if that's his ceiling, then it's our job to get him back there. And so. Um, I feel confident that we can do that. And you go into the season with uh, Jake Retzlaff as the official backup to Keaton, is that right? That's correct. Yeah. And uh, good chance, though, Cade Fennigan will get some playing time this year. We're, uh, he's, he's done a nice job and um, made, made that a tough decision. He's, Cade's really improved. Let's hit the position groups around Keaton. We'll start with his backfield mates. Good running back room uh, led by a couple of portal additions and Aiden Robbins and Deion Smith. Yeah, uh, very impressive guys, both, both grad transfers, both in grad school, very really bright students. Um, and students of the game as well. There's veteran players that um, learned a lot of information in a short amount of time, and they're good, good players. And uh, names like Miles Davis, uh, L.J. Martin came in as a high school freshman, looking pretty good for a high school kid. More than pretty good. <laughs> L.J. is one of our best players, and you're going to see a lot of him this year. He will, he will play, um, and he, he proved that early in camp and then just keeps getting better every day. You returned a top trio of wideouts, but a pair of newcomers uh, could factor in right away. I know you've been impressed with how Keelan Marion and, and Darius Lassiter worked their way into things. Yeah, similar to, to the running backs, the, you know, those guys have both uh, played played Division One ball, and both of them, you know, uh, had like really no trouble learning what we're doing. I was so impressed with how how smart those guys are, how hard they work at at uh, at the game and learning what they're supposed to do and. Um, they're very good players. I think I think our fans are going to really enjoy watching those guys play. And they'll be playing, right? Oh yeah, they're both going to be playing game one. Yeah. At uh, tight end, Isaac Rex gets the most attention nationally, but uh, some good newcomers there as well. Yeah, uh, Isaac is a whole new man. <laughs> I, I'm excited for our fans to see him. Last year it was hard to watch sometimes how much pain he was playing with. And but he got himself ready to go for game did. one. He, and that's what's impressive. He played, he played so well for us, even though he wasn't even close to 100%. And um, just, you know, being on the inside like we are, just watching the pain, the amount of pain he was in all year uh, was sometimes tough. But this year he looks like his old self. He's running so much better and um, I'm super excited for him and then we have some new players in that room that are doing a really good job uh, to uh, is, is uh, he's he's doing a good job Mason Southern Utah Park. transfer yeah yeah and, and um, walked on and just shot right up the depth chart from I mean he's he's a good player I'm super excited about a lot of those guys uh, Mason Fakahua Ray Paulo um, 
Jackson Bowers is coming on. Um, Ethan Erickson's done some good things for us in the past, and he, he it's it's going to be fun fun to work with that group. That's a good room. You it mentioned is. a lot of players right there. It is. We yeah. have a lot of versatility there, um, a lot of length. Um, those guys all like contact. They like to block, and they're all good receivers. Lots of good options on the offensive line right now as well, and a lot of versatility. You've got guys that can move around depending on situation. How many players do you think you'd be comfortable with playing right now up there? Oh, shoot. Um, probably about eight, eight, maybe nine. I mean, we, that's been the toughest part of camp was just sorting out how we're going to, how we're going to work with that group and, you know, what's the starting five. And then, you know, when you, you, you cut it down to five that you're leaving out two or three good players that have, that have started games at, at, at this level. And so, um, you're going to probably see seven or eight guys play in that first game. Um, but we're, I'm really excited about that group. Naturally, the O-line are all big boys, but when, when it's Kingsley and Caleb on the edges, they, I mean, they look demonstrably bigger than the other dudes. Yeah, we have a really, I mean, we have a really tall offensive line. Yeah. And that's, that's uh, you know, you've got Kime who's 6'9", and you have Braden Kime who's 6'8", and um, Caleb is 6'8", and um, Simi, Moala, he's six foot seven. It's a big group, and but they're super athletic, and so that, it's been fun moving those guys around and figuring out, you know, which combinations we can work with throughout the season. Because there's probably no chance you're going to have the same starting five for all 12 games. It's just how this game goes, and so we have to be ready for anything. In season, on this show, we'll be selecting players of the week for each game and each team unit. Ahead of the season opener, we're looking for kind of camp standouts, if you had any. Who caught your eye as, as really uh, playing well for you in the last month? Isaac Rex would be one. Um, just, I think the whole team was excited about his play and just seeing him, the, the, the joy of the game again has, is back for him. You can see it in the way he's playing. And um, he, he's one that's really stood out for us. Um, obviously, Keaton has done a nice job. I think he's really established himself as a leader for us. And and um, yeah, and then that offensive line, I, those guys, uh, they like. I think I think we've got a bunch of guys that really like to play football and like to come to practice and don't care what position they play. They just want to block somebody, and that's what you need at O line. You know, no drama, <laughs> just just guys that want to work. And I've really enjoyed watching those guys in this camp. And it sounded like you thought, too, that, that the freshman running back L.J. Martin jumped in and got right into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah L.J., that was a big get in recruiting. Um, that, that happened kind of late in recruiting last year. He was committed to Stanford yeah. for quite a while, and then they, you know, it didn't hurt that we ended the season there. I think we rushed for 400 yards there or something like that. Yeah. And, and then, um, and then uh, when Coach Shaw stepped down, L.J. was open to looking around and, and uh, man, it's, he was a good get. And I think BYU fans are going to really enjoy watching him play the next few years. All right, time now for our final break. As we step away, we remind you that for your Cougar Sports day-to-day play-by-play, it's on BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan weekdays, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Coming up in our final segment, we'll look ahead to Saturday's season opener with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. You're in the coordinator's corner brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We're in Studio B with BYU Offensive Coordinator and QB Coach Aaron Roderick. It is week one of the college football season. BYU home to Sam Houston Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, 8.15 p.m. kick. This past weekend, we had some week zero games and the first look at new clock rules. 
that will have the impact of shortening college games. We now have a running clock on first downs except for the final two minutes of each half. That means some quicker games and for most teams fewer plays. Uh, the era of teams running a thousand plays in a season may be over for the time being coach. How do you see the new rule playing out for you at BYU? Well, um, we're prepared for it. I mean, we've spent the offseason preparing for it. I think there's not really anything you can do about it. It's the, it's the rule. So And for both teams. For both teams. <laughs> but scoring is going to go down in college football this year just because there are fewer plays. And that's just, there's no, uh, no way around it. It's, it's, you know, but it's, I don't think it'll go down a lot. I think, you know, there's, you're talking about five to eight less plays per game. So a few points. Um, but I, I think it is going to be something that we can use to our advantage. We're a physical team. And we like to possess the ball and run the clock. And, uh, you know, we like to change tempos on people. Everybody knows that we're a team. We play a deliberate pace and then we can change the tempo on you and go fast. And so I think uh, it's something that we can use to our advantage, try to give our defense some rest and um, play good team football. And that's something we've always strived to do, uh, take good care of the ball and play team ball. So I think it can work to our advantage as long as everybody, you know, understands it in, in the in this nationwide scoring is going to go down just a little bit just because of fewer plays. And did you feel it playing out? Did you watch some ball Absolutely, on the weekend? Yeah. And, I mean, and, yeah. The, um, there were no 70 play games, you know, you know, 70 plays for an offense is usually kind of the, the mark of like you're playing pretty good pace. And I think all the games this weekend were in the 50s and 60s. That's pretty low. So it was um, it was about exactly what all the analytics guys were predicting and for you know it's a small sample size but yeah. I, I think it's I think it was enough to prove that um, the games are going to be a little bit shorter yeah uh, your offensive coaching staff uh, returns intact uh, how big a deal is that for you in year three as the OC huge we have a great staff uh, love working with these guys and um, we're getting to the point now where we have a system that uh, we all know really well. And so when you want, when you need to make adaptations or if we need to tweak a scheme or, or just tr find a way to feature who our best players are, it's a lot easier to do when everybody in the room is already on the same page instead of you know, spending your off season getting certain coaches up to speed on the system and those things. It's, it's just much easier when we've all worked together so, so long. So I'm really, really thankful for having such a great staff. Coach Hill told us that he'll be on the field as defensive coordinator. You're going to remain in the booth as the offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, I prefer it up there. I, I, I like to be able to see the game, and I like the quiet of the booth. Uh, looking ahead to Sam Houston, new FBS member. Uh, they won an FCS title in the spring of 2021. They played a short nine-game schedule last season with that WAC configuration. Some pretty solid defensive numbers across the board for them last year. Uh, what do you expect to see on Saturday? Yeah, what I see is a, a fast athletic team that's very disruptive. Um, they, man, they are, their front seven is very disruptive. Front six, I guess, uh, they, they play a sort of a 4-2-5 uh, personnel and um, they're athletic and fast. And they were top 10, top 20 at worst in just about every stat that, that matters uh, in FCS. So uh, they did a nice job last year on defense and we, uh, we have our hands full for sure. You open the season with a new FBS team in week one and an FCS team in week two. So in other words, the exact opposite of how you've been opening seasons for years now at BYU. Yeah. Different feel that way. It is. And um, but, you know, we, we talk every week about respect for the game means you prepare the same way for everybody every week. And this team, if you watch this Sam Houston team on film, I mean, they, they are so disruptive. They can make you look bad with some of the things they do on defense if you're not prepared. And so 
we have to be ready. And I, I would bet their first game in, at this level, they ought to be super excited to play. And um, I'm, I'm expecting to get their best, and we welcome that, and we're going we're gonna to give them our best too. You just had a hard, long month of football in preparation for this season. Do you feel like you're getting to game one with most of your pieces intact? Like, do you feel like it was a good camp that way for the offense? Yeah, you mean like health-wise? Yeah, personnel-wise, yeah, the people very, you want. very yeah. few injuries in camp. There's a couple guys that are a little bit banged up, which is always going to happen. But um, at this point on offense, I'm not aware of anybody we've lost for the season on offense. Um, and we, you know, that's, that's fortunate because we were pretty physical in this camp. And so... Um, the main thing was just getting all the new players on the same page because the talent level is there. It's just uh, getting everyone functioning as one unit. Well, fired up for the season and to have you back in studio with us. Good luck this Saturday. Thanks for having me. All right, great to see you again. That'll do it for our week one edition of the Coordinator's Corner for coaches Roderick and Hill and Popinga. My name is Greg Rubel. We'll see you next Monday on BYU TV's app and ESPN+. Plus. Go Cougs!